Welcome back, everybody. It's Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. I am your co-host, Sarah D. Bunting, and I am here with my co-host, Mark Blankenship. Hello, Mark. How was your break? Oh, it was wonderful, Sarah. And today I'll only be talking in a terrible British accent in respect of the song. Finally. I've been waiting for this episode. (laughs) Uh, Mark, tell us what we decided after a whole bunch of um, specialty episodes that it was time to get back to our roots, namely you, the listeners. So, Mark... Tell us how that inspired today's pick. Well, we have a long list of wonderful requests that our listeners have made. And one of the songs that has been most requested, by which we mean twice, but still, can you think of all the songs in the world? The fact that one song got two requests is pretty great, is the song we'll be talking about today. The request comes to us from both Jefferson and Brona. And as far as we know, they do not know one another. But they have both asked us to discuss the song Only You by the British new wave band Yaz. And this is a song that first hit the airwaves in 1982. And uh, let's go ahead and have a listen. get into discussing this song and its many qualities, I do think it's important to note that today's episode is sponsored. And let me ask you, are you dictating your memoirs? Do you need an interview transcribed? Well, from recorded statements to police body cam video, Shira at Uptown Transcription can transcribe it. For information and rates, you can contact Uptown Transcription at uptowntranscription at gmail.com. That's uptowntranscription at gmail.com. But you know what? No one needs to transcribe the emotion in this song because you just have to type the letters S-A-D. Man. Oh, transition. Nice. Um, only you can transcribe body cam videos. Um, only Shira, I mean. Uh, this song really brings me back to high school and specifically mm. to driving around the um, non-mean streets of suburban New Jersey with either Carrie or JW, and we actually might have had a police body cam video to transcribe because we were always either getting pulled over for pulling a rolling stop or just flagrantly littering after a stop at McDonald's, just chucking shit out the window. Um, This and Modern English's Melt With You were like the... Mm. flagship songs of that particular um 
like passenger seat junior year headspace for Mm. me they felt so deep at that time we knew every like ping and clonk on like from the synthesizers but now like one of these days we'll talk about modern english but now this one lands a little bit slow and like laborious to me and i'm not sure if it's because i'm just not 16 anymore or if the song has been used in too many like soundtracks as a signifier of that time uh like in whatever period movies about the 80s um but yeah that said though it got stuck in my head like after prepping for this episode it got stuck in my head for days and will be stuck there again now that we're talking about it again and can i tell you i finally got around to reading a book that i bought for you for a birthday i believe called mad world an oral history of new wave artists and songs that define the 1980s it is by Lori Majewski and Jonathan Bernstein, who also wrote a fantastic uh, overview of 80s teen movies. Mm. The book, I mean, aside from having like little sort of rivalry caddy comments amongst some of the bands that are really good that I enjoyed, uh, I learned a lot. Some of these songs I didn't remember at all, but I didn't realize that one member of Yaz was a lady. Oh, really? Literally you you... had no idea that, like, oh, huh. that person's name is Allison? Because I would have assumed that that person's name was Alan. Like, and as a lady with a dude-like voice, I sort of felt extremely close to Yaz after learning that, but also was like, am I, an, am I Amish? Am I literally the only person who didn't know that? You can tell me. Uh, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> Let's ask some Amish people. We can't. They don't have the internet. Anyway. Ah, English. We do. We doth love raising a barn to the sounds of upstairs at Eric's. Oh, yes. Thank you, uh, Yoder. Tis a fine thing. Um, so I, I liked it better than I thought I would in retrospect, but it didn't. The staying power isn't quite there for me. Is it still working for you after all this time? Well, let me break it down for you. I actually can't say all this time because I am just young enough that I missed this entirely when it happened originally. And because Yaz never had a major hit with it the way that the Eurythmics did, I think of them as being almost inseparable. They're twinned in my mind forever now. But the Eurythmics had Sweet Dreams and all their other hits, and they were around through the late 80s, whereas Yaz disbanded in 1983 after only releasing two albums and then Alison Moyette went off to a solo career that never really took off in America and Vince Clark co-founded Erasure so one dude was in Depeche Mode, Yaz and Erasure so he's like the golden oracle of synthy sad time dance yes, music. Yes, Respect is the third in the um, in the holy troika of driving around with JW's mom's old mercedes is sunroof open and screaming a lot oh my god drinking too much coca-cola and i actually so i before i get to why i think that vince clark might be the magic sauce in all three of those groups i want (laughs) to get back to the fact that i didn't actually know this song until like three years ago when you might recall sarah i wrote a piece for previously.tv about how every television show was using it on the soundtrack all of a sudden oh yeah let's remember to link to that in our show notes in the show notes indeed and in fact i've already put it in our facebook page when someone 
responded to our announcement that we're talking about this song because I was like, here you go. But in one short spell, the song was used prominently in the show Looking, in Orange is the New Black, in The Americans, and uh-huh. then also I found out had been used in Fringe, which I've never seen, but also was used in the final scene of uh, Can't Hardly Wait, which I've seen like 50 times but never clocked this particular song. So I didn't actually grasp this song or hear it really in a way that I remembered until three or four years ago. And I was struck by how, frankly, hauntingly beautiful I found it and still do. But in that first rush of hearing it, I remember walking through the Whole Foods where I do my grocery shopping and listening to it on repeat and thinking, oh my God, this song is so beautiful. I am looking out a window of love. Or the story above, or whatever the lyrics are. And then you were like lip syncing it into the business end of a butternut squash, and then you were asked to leave. Damn right. And I didn't care because I said, (laughs) only you can kick me out of this Whole Foods. And then she cried, and we had a great time. And there there are just little, there's just something about it that I find so arrestingly emotional. Although I will say that even for me now, I find it less so than I did four years ago. So I wonder if it has less to do with your age and more just that there's something about this song that works best at first. And then it is so structurally uh, undynamic that you listen to it. If you listen to it enough, you just know it because it's really just one thing happens in the song for two, two minutes and 45 seconds, right? There's yeah. no, there, there isn't a lot of variation. You do get the little thing at the end where Alison Moyette sings with herself and it's all I, all I ever knew only you. And, but mostly this song just is what it is. You hear the first 30 seconds and that's how it's going to be. But that being said, there's still a lot of joy I feel to be had in hearing this song. I think it's so pretty. The melody is lovely uh, for what it is. It's very spare. And Alison Moyet's voice is so striking and so distinct that I enjoy hearing her in any context. Um, do you know the Yaz song, Don't Go? Yes. Like that one where she hollers, I really like that song too. But I mean, like we had the whole tape and I still uh, never knew that this was uh, a lady, but Amazing. Um if you if you do read um Mad World, uh she that chapter is a bit short because they didn't really they didn't really know each other very well. Right. She they, put an ad in a magazine or something. Yeah, because she and she was like, well, I sort of have no choice but to let myself be thrown together with this person because I have no money to make a demo. So this will be my demo for something else. But she has a bit, if you don't mind, I'd like to read a bit of what she says about their collaboration. Uh, Do it. Quote, I wrote half of the material in Yaz, but Vince is a famous songwriter. So the assumption was that I was the voice and he was the creator. It wasn't Ah. the case, but you get tired of trying to explain. You just have to look at the difference between Yaz and Erasure to see what my input in the band was compared to what Andy Bell's influence is. I am very aware that the assumption is the female voice is always the mouthpiece of the male creator. I was talking about Nobody's Diary, that's one of their songs, I assume, to someone the other day, and he said, quote, you really interpreted that song well. I said, no, I wrote that song when I was 16. Even with all the credits on the album sleeve, even now when it's on Google for anyone to see, the assumption is always that the vocalist is not the creative influence. And, uh, you know, that didn't sort of affect my enjoyment of the song 
one way or the other, but coming to this like the day after prepping the song for the podcast and cutting the clip and everything. And also just generally there are so few women in this in this book. Like mm. and you have um like Kim Wilde uh is in there and we've we've talked about her before um on Mast Ass, but I thought that was really interesting and especially since like never mind assuming what her contribution was i didn't even know she was a she but the fact is that i had to kind of check my own assumptions because i do sometimes assume that like not so much in a duo but in a band situation especially you know in a band from 30 years ago if it's like six dudes and three of them play keyboards and then there's one lady with crazy hair you kind of figure that she's just the she is, quote, just the voice, and that's not really fair to vocalists, hmm. even if that is the case, or to women who are sort of struggling. And, like, I would never look at Fleetwood Mac and think that, even though that's different, because I've seen that behind the music, like, 58 times, as have we all. But uh, learning about this song and this band has been really interesting, at least in terms of having to think about what I think and assume about how music is and was made and I think it's still difficult to be to be a lady musician and be in bands with men and sometimes feel like you're still having to struggle a bit more than the average bandmate to be heard. So mm. thanks Yaz. Not to bring the room down <laughs> with my feminist musings, but won't be the first time on this podcast and spoiler, it won't be the last. Oh. oh, well, I think that's fascinating, and it makes me want to reread this that section, because frankly, I skimmed or actually completely skipped that chapter when you gave me that book, because I had never heard of Yaz back then, but now I know who they are. But I feel like it is worth noting, though, that Vince Clark is the only credited writer on Only You, and she is credited on other songs of theirs. So unless she just got muscled out of getting credit, I think it is only Vince Clark who wrote Only You. And... The, the larger point I want to make is that, as about Vince Clark anyway, so let's just assume that he had a hand in creating it. He certainly is the Right, oh no, I don't, think that she, I don't think she was saying specifically that only you, she got like rooked out of credit. I think she was saying generally like that this was an issue with that band, that because she was the primary singer, that the assumption right. then was that that was, quote, all she did. When Yeah, that... That, a, that does happen plenty, all the time. And B, that's sexist. And yeah. Anyway, please it, tell us more about Vince Clark. You're right on both points, though. But I do think that if you draw the line between early Depeche Mode to Yaz or Yazoo, as they are called in England, but they had to be called Yaz here because there was a record label called Yazoo that would have sued them if yes. they did not change their name. And were never and, heard from again, by the way. They did but, sue. Seriously. And then disappeared. But if you draw the line between those two bands and into uh, Erasure, one of the things that I think Vince Clark apparently seems to bring to the table is an ability to make melancholy engaging. Because early Depeche Mode, Yaz, and Erasure, one of the things that's true of all of them, it's not just that they've got singers who 
are able to make melancholy sound engaging, although they certainly do. And Andy Bell and Alison Moyette especially sound like they're sobbing while they dance at all times, which I love. Mm-hmm. But there's just a there's just a melodic quality to their songs that I find so enchanting in that there's something dark and heavy about them, about the feelings in them, but they're managed to also be light and they 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 the songs themselves are fleet in the way that they move, in the way that the melodies and the rhythms work, but there's always this sense of mourning underneath them. You know, I'm thinking about Oh L'Amour by Erasure. Uh-huh, it's a beautiful, sure. sad song, but it's so great, and it's the perfect song to get ready to go out to the club. And I find this era of sad dance, as I've been calling it on our social media, I love it because it's so contradictory in a way that it would that dance music would make you so sad. And I look at how artists like Robin or LaRue or the Eurythmics at the time are all so indebted to this. And I really dig it. And I'm glad that uh, our listeners have given us the opportunity to talk about this because I, I don't know why exactly I find it so satisfying. I guess it's partially because the emotional journey of a song is to me best when it is surprising and when I am tapping my foot or whatever, but then also feeling sad or moved or that I'm in the presence of something grand. I love that. It's, it, it, it does engage me. And so if I may slightly contradict myself from before, only you structurally is fairly simple, but there is this emotional quality to the song that keeps me engaged both in her voice and in the overall songwriting. So while I may never again have the initial thrill of discovery of this song, I will never be mad to hear this song, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I think there is a sort of, well, eternal relatability is a bit grand, given the amount of Casio in play here. <laughs> yeah, it's not... Yeah. But yeah. there is there is this... Um, well... All right. While I'd sort of think in the back of my mind of how to phrase this phenomenon, in the front of my mind, I will say that it it they make an interesting comparison with the Smiths, who have that same kind of like oh the perfect or the cure yes upbeat bleakness that yes is like whereas with Morrissey and Marr, it's like you have that much different like bell tone guitar. It's much less electronic, and there's a like bitchy irony to it. This is much more sincere but here's why it's relatable and uh listeners and mark if you can help me come up with a um clever and short term for this phenomenon there is a point in watching it an extremely drunk girl who is crying where you you can tell that she's gonna throw up and like while she's sobbing and the mascara is sort of like spraying off her face like some kind of rejected Project Runway uh, Junior challenge. And she's like scream sobbing along to whatever song and trying to get the straw of her 18th vodka crayon into her face and poking herself in the eye that you're like, you know, we are all that girl. But also in 10 to 14 minutes, she's going to be leaning against someone's car throwing up uh and there's something very like sad and not funny exactly but just very relatable that's like i think we've all had that evening where it's like you just took absolute citron 
couple steps further than it could functionally go, and you're like, everything's great, everything's the worst, Blech. and uh, so that's kind of what this song reminds me of, is not doing that, but watching someone else have that drunken meltdown where you're like, oh, girl, I've well, so, yeah, so been there, have... like, clearing the dance floor with your stagger dancing and sobbing, and, and then it's like, that's gonna end so badly, but it's, like, such a it's so human. I like that. It's like this song, cre songs like this, or like the Cure's Pictures of You, if I may. You may. Create a sort of, yeah, it's like we can empathize with the feeling and the sound of the feeling that we're hearing. Uh-huh. And it's like sort of that safe distance of it's a song, it's not me. So, yeah, like any, I guess like any good work of art, you can empathize with the feeling in it, but then you don't have to actually experience the thing for yourself and there's that 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 sort of safety of i can just hear this and know what's up and then uh turn it off oh before we move on though i should say in terms of knowing what's up i'll tell you who knows what's up with transcription and that's shira at uptown transcription so if you need anything transcribed from memoirs to interviews to re police body cam video you just shoot her an email at uptown transcription at gmail.com so the other thing I do want to make sure we talk about, Sarah, is the odd history of Only You, which is that when it was released in England in 1982, it peaked at number two. And then the very next year, it reached number one in an acapella cover by an all-male acapella group called The Flying Pickets. And it was number one in England over Christmas of 83, 84. And a, the Christmas number one is quite the thing in England. And it's hilarious if you watch the video of these guys with these enormous mutton chop sideburns in some sort of carefully quaint pub singing to the camera in this acapella way and it's apparently the very first acapella number one in england it certainly preceded america's first acapella number one which was don't worry be happy and you just never know what's going to happen with pop music because this song to this day the original version is still to me so cool there's just something really cool kid about it and then to have six dopey guys in terrible sideburns singing at acapella it does make the soul shrivel a bit and i find that fascinating yeah this was one that um occasionally the myriad <laughs> replicating uh, acapella groups of one Princeton University would attempt in their arch things, including the like arpeggio synthesizer bit. Mm. And then there would just be a whole lot of, you know, like the same principle as some girl named Vicky from Shaker Heights trying with her tremulous vibrato to step to misery. Franklin, same kind of principle that it's like, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure you even know what you're singing, and everyone's wearing a Patagonia half-zip, and this is just really weird and wrong. But um, I am going to seek out that video and try to enjoy whatever strange I don't think you'll be sorry. of the British national subconscious it bubbled up from. Yeah, I don't think you're going to be sorry. I really don't. Mark, 
Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, that's me, and Sarah D. Bunting, and edited by Sarah D. Bunting. Today's theme song was written by Laura Barger and Jack Baldelli. If you'd like to place an ad, request a song, or arrange for my fine co-host Mark to read your pop chart horoscope, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talksongs at gmail.com, tweet at us at talksongs, or hit up our Facebook page. That's at facebook.com slash podcast. And if you like the podcast, let us know. Leave us a positive review on iTunes or the podcast download interface of your choice. And please download the music you hear legally. Until next time, this is Sarah. And this is Mark. And this, and this is, is Mark and Sarah, Mark and Sarah Talk, talk About, about Songs. songs. <laughs> Stretch it out! Talk About Songs. Songs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.